Worshippers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father is seeking such to worship him. God is a spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and in truth. 
Could we read those two verses together, please? Join with me, verse 23. But the hour is coming, and now is, when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father is seeking such to worship him. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and in truth. You may be seated. Most of you would agree and assert that we spend a lot of time in worship. Over each of our lifetimes, we spent hundreds of hours in worship services. And in the conglomerate thousands and millions of hours, all over the nation and across the world is spent in worship. And since we spend so much time in worship, should we not really think about and understand why we are here and what it is that we are trying to accomplish as we worship the Lord? What is worship? How do you know worship has taken place? How can you tell that worship has happened when it is over? It's important that we understand worship because we spend so much time attempting to do it. But then on the other hand, it's important that we understand worship because we spend so little time attempting to do it. When you compare the time we spend in worship to the time we spend before television, or shopping, or conversing and relating to our friends, comparably, comparably, it is little time. The time compares very little to the time we'll sit in the Rose Bowl for a Rose Bowl game. Uh, spend many times more than that looking at television, as I've said. If we spend so little time in worship, it is also important that we understand it so that we can accomplish as much as possible in the time that we give worship unto the Lord. As we better understand the meaning and benefit of worship, we may worship more frequently and more effectively because we need to understand worship then because we spend so much time and because we spend so little time. Worship is the performance of acts or attitudes of homage and adoration to God. It is the paying of divine honor unto our God. Worship is the believer romancing his God. It is the setting in which the believer and his God interact with one another. It is the time when one gives his attention to God. Worshiping is offering to God our best. Offering to God our best praise. Offering to God our best singing. Our best prayers. 
our best preaching. Worship is the attempt to gain and maintain the favor and the blessing of God. And worship as we know it today is very different from what it was among the Hebrews centuries ago. Under the Old Testament dispensation, the people with their sinfulness and shortcomings would come before God with sacrifices of blood and burnt offerings and offerings of bulls and heifers and goats and lambs sacrificed unto God. They could not come without bringing an offering to appease the wrath and the justice of God. They could not come if they were crippled, if they were handicapped, or if they were diseased. The opportunity of worship was not available to everybody. If you were not physically perfect, you could not come before the Lord. Also, before they came, they had to see to it that they were ritually clean. They could not come before the Lord dirty. They touched a dead person or they touched a dead animal or any of a whole host of things that were considered to be unclean by the law. They had to wash themselves. And even then, sometimes they had to wait designated periods of time before they could come into the house of God and come before God to worship him. Worship was an act that the ancient Hebrews participated in with fear and with trembling. The special place that symbolized the presence of God was a place called the Holy of Holies. It was the third compartment of the tabernacle. It was set aside from the west rest of the tabernacle by a veil. And this Holy of Holies was entered into only by the high priest. And only once a year, after elaborate preparations and precautions had been taken, he had to wash himself. He had to offer a sacrifice for his sins, for the sins of the people. The blood of that sacrifice would be put on his right ear, his right thumb, his right large toe. He could not come into the Holy of Holies without a rope around his waist and bells attached to his garment. The reason of all these precautions was the fear that God might strike him dead while he was in the Holy of Holies. If the bells were to stop ringing, the other priests would not come into the Holy of Holies to take him out. They would pull him out by the rope that was around his waist because of their fear of destruction and their fear of death. But Jesus, the Son of God, by the sacrifice of himself, has put an end to the sacrifice of bulls and heifers and lambs and goats forever. Jesus was the only one that was worthy to die in our place. He was the Son of the living God. Not only was he only, the only one who was worthy, he was the only one who was innocent, having done no sin and being conceived by the Holy Ghost. He could die for our sins rather than any sins that he himself 
might have committed. But he also being a man was related to us. He could bear the burden of guilt and condemnation for us because he was of us. He was a man. He was wrapped in flesh. He came to this earth as the son of God and the son of man to die for our sins. A man had sinned. Men had sinned. Therefore, it was to no lasting effect to sacrifice animals and bulls and goats, for they had not sinned. They had not disobeyed God. But when Jesus, worthy, innocent, and related to us, came and died for us, the veil that had separated the Holy of Holies from the rest of the tabernacle was rent in twain, rent in two, torn in two from the top to the bottom. Not from one side to another, which would have left the upper half of the veil in place, but from the top to the bottom, indicating that this is not something men did. This was something that God himself did. He opened up a way. Come on, clap your hands and praise God. The writer of the book of Hebrews says regarding Jesus in Hebrews 10 and 12, but this man, when he had made one sacrifice for sins forever, sat down at the right hand of God forever. And in Hebrews 4, 15, the Bible says, wherefore, seeing we have not a high priest who cannot be touched by the feeling of our infirmities, but was tempted in all points. Say those words, all points. Like as we are, and yet without sin, let us come boldly to the throne of grace and find mercy and grace to help in the time of need. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever would believe on him should not perish, but have everlasting life. How many of you know you can come boldly to the throne of grace? We can come without sacrifices of blood. We can come without sacrifices of the flesh of animals. We can come without fear. We can come without apprehension. Because in Hebrews verse 10, chapter 10 and verse 22, the Bible says, Let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering, for he is faithful that promise. Let us consider one another to provoke one another unto good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another and so much the more as you see the day approaching. Listen, we can come boldly to the throne of grace. No matter how low you've sunk, no matter how many times you've disappointed God, no matter how much wrong you've done, God is a God that forgives you and places all you've done under the blood of Jesus Christ who died and suffered in your place. You can come boldly to your Father. Before the service today, I was getting ready to come down and my two grandsons, Charles and Julian, came up into the office and they were kind of walking around and I was sitting over in a chair and finally I called those boys to me. I said, come here, Charles. Give your grandfather a hug. Come here, Julian. Give me a hug. Listen, this is Grandpa. 
come on here and let me know that you love me and let you know that I love you. Let's enjoy one another. And we had such a time embracing and hugging and enjoying one another because they can come boldly to Papa. Amen. Amen. I, I want them to know what I've done for them and I want them to know how much I love them. So those are my grandchildren. Listen, you don't have a grandfather, you've got a father and you can come boldly to the throne of grace. You can find mercy, you can find grace to help in the time of need. If you're glad about that, clap your hands and give praise to God. These verses reveal that we must not fail to gather for worship in the name of the Lord. Forsake not the assembling of yourselves together. And he said, do it all the more diligently and zealously as we see judgment day approaching. And while we are together, we should provoke one another to love and to good works. I know some of us are good at provoking folk, but it's not to love. And it's not to good works. But because people are around you, they ought to be lifted in their love for the people of the Lord and for the Lord and lifted in their love for you. If you know I'm right, come on, give God praise. <laughs> ought to be better because I worship the Lord with you. Should provoke one another to, to love and to good works. We should exhort one another to faithfulness and devotion to God. And then when we come together, the law of God and the word of God ought to be taught and explained. Listen to me now. Say this after me. When we come together, the law of God and the word of God should be taught and explained. Deuteronomy 31 and 11 says, When all Israel is come to appear before the Lord thy God in the place that he shall choose, you shall read the law before all Israel in their hearing, that they may hear, that they may learn and fear the Lord your God, and observe to do all the words of the law, and that their children may also hear, and learn to fear the Lord, or to respect the Lord as long as you live. Listen, it's not always exciting just to read laws and commandments from God. But how are you going to obey them if you don't read them and if you don't hear them? I know sometimes we get excited in the church and have a good time and run all up and down the aisle, but there are also times when we ought to sit and quietly read God's word and receive from God those things that the Lord would have us to know and to do. The Lord has every right to command us to do certain things, and we've got every obligation to know what the Lord commands. Sometimes what God commands is not all that much fun, not all that much enjoyable, and some people would rather not hear what the Lord commands because if they hear it, they've got to do it. But how many of you know you need the wisdom and the counsel of God through his commandments to walk and live successfully? And then these verses also let us know that God chooses and appoints places where his people should gather to worship. Say to your neighbor, God chooses and appoints places where his people should gather together to worship him. There's a reason why you're here. 
There's a reason why the Lord located you in West Angeles when you heard the word and accepted the Lord as your Savior. There's a reason why God has positioned you in this place over the years, and you ought to learn how to keep your foot when you come to the house of the Lord. You ought to get to that point where you say, listen, West Angeles is my church. That's where I accepted the Lord. That's where I've grown in God. That's where you can look for me to show up at my church. Come on, tell two people, West Angeles is my church. The Lord didn't put you here just for you to pass through. The Lord put you here as his place for your growth, your development, and your service of him. If you believe that, clap your hands and give God praise. Oh, well, you may say you can worship the Lord and commune in any place. This is true, for God is everywhere present. But every time you get a chance, you ought to go to the place appointed for the gathering of the saints to worship God. God said in Exodus 29 and 43, in reference to the tabernacle, there will I meet with the children of Israel, and the tabernacle shall be sanctified by my glory. Listen, there's something wonderful about a place set aside for the worship of the Lord. Listen, you don't have to get acquainted with it. You don't have to start all over again. You, you just take off where you left when you went away the last time and keep on growing in the place that the Lord has demanded. So we're taught, we're taught the Lord's word in worship. And we encourage one another as we worship God. We encourage one another to right living and to devotion to Christ. And also we rejoice before the Lord in worship. We praise him and thank him for all of his blessings. Tell your neighbor we rejoice before the Lord in worship. We thank him and praise him for all that he has done. Give the Lord some thanks. Give the Lord some praise. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Now be very, very careful that you don't get excited about other things more than you do about the Lord. Listen, I get depressed if I see Lady May getting excited about everything else more than she is about me. I want her to show some enthusiasm. I want her to show some excitement. Don't you feel that way, Brother Courtney? Brother Courtney, don't you, don't you, are you with me? <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> and God gets depressed when he sees us getting more excited about so many other things than we are about him. Tell your neighbor if you're more excited about anything than you are about the Lord then something is missing in your relationship unto the Lord. The psalmist said, I will give thanks in the great congregation. I will praise you before the people. And so worship is a time that we give thanks to the Lord. It's also a time that we think about and meditate on the Lord. When I think of the goodness of Jesus, and all he has done for me. My soul cries out, hallelujah, thank God.
by saving me. Just call the roll of your blessings. See what God has done for you, how God has blessed you. If you really think, you will give thanks. And the reason some of us don't really thank God, because we're not mindful of the fact that it was the Lord that gave us food to eat. It was the Lord that woke us up this morning, not the alarm clock, not our children or our wife or our spouse. God woke you up. Come on, said God. Thank you for waking me up this morning. As you walk through the day, I ride on a whole lot of airplanes. And one of my apprehensions about being on the airplane is the fact that I've got to breathe everybody else's breath. I want to put something over my mouth and nose so I won't inhale all that atmosphere. And who knows what anybody has riding on that airplane. But praise God, I've been doing it for years and I'm still healthy. I've not ingested anything that might harm me. God has been good to me and I've got to praise him. Tell your neighbor, God has been so good to me. I've got to praise him. I've got to thank him. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Worship is the time to think on the goodness of the Lord and meditate on his grace. Some people allow their minds to wander here and there. They're looking from one side of the church to the other side of the church. But I'm sorry, darling. I didn't come here to see you. I came here to see Jesus and praise his name. Help me praise him. When I think of his goodness, I've got to praise him. Hallelujah. And then it's time to pray. The Bible says, if my people that are called by my name will humble themselves and pray. You've got to be humble to pray. Because if you don't pray, you're, you're pretending that everything depends on you. And you've got the power. But when you pray, you're saying, Lord, I'm humble enough to admit I can't make it without you. So I'm calling on you. The Lord said, if you'll humble yourself and pray and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven. I'll forgive your sin. I'll heal your land. Tell your neighbor, neighbor, God will hear from heaven, forgive our sins, and heal our land. Come on and praise him. Help me praise the Lord. Hallelujah. When you pray, when you pray, when you offer up your prayer, Jesus is present in a special way. Listen to Matthew chapter 10, uh, chapter 18 and verse 19, where the Bible says, if any two or three of you shall agree on earth as touching anything that they shall ask, it shall be done for them of my Father who is in heaven. For where two or three are gathered together 
in my name. There am I in the midst of them. Tell two people Jesus is in the room. He's here to heal. He's here to deliver. He's here to set free. Whatever you need, God's got it. You can have it if you want it. Touch your neighbor and say, neighbor, be healed. Neighbor, be set free. Be delivered in the name of Jesus. Healing is in the room. Deliverance is in the room. Yes, yes. Oh, bless his name. I've got to stop. Paul and Silas preaching in Philippi. Somebody got mad, threw them in jail, but they kept on singing, kept on praising God. Paul was preaching and praying. Silas was singing. God got to enjoying the service and the singing. He started patting his foot, and when God patted his foot, the earth began to rock and roll. The low jailhouse was shaken apart by a violent earthquake. The jailer jumped up and he said, they'll kill me if my prisoners escape. He was about to commit suicide, but Paul said, don't hurt yourself. We just have in church, and when we have church, things start moving. I just want you to know that we are all here. Don't do yourself any harm. The jailer got saved. When God's people pray, things get shook up and things start to move. I see God moving in the life of his people. Come on and praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Stand on your feet and say, God is here. I can have whatever I need. Tell your neighbor, Jesus is in the room. Whatever I need is right here, right now. Come on and praise him. Bless the Lord. Bless the Lord. Oh, my soul and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord. Bless the Lord. Another thing that happens while we worship God is that the Holy Ghost begins to move in our lives. If you've never experienced a move of the Holy Ghost, you've missed out on half your life. There is that place in God where the Holy Ghost shows up in the life of the believer. Jesus said, you shall receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you and you shall be witnesses unto me. The Holy Ghost brings power, power to obey God, power to do God's will, power to go through, power to hold on, and it comes while we worship. It comes while we praise. Yes, praise. I said praise lifts us spiritually. Praise elevates us to receive from God. Praise opens up the door of our heart so the Holy Ghost can have full sway. The Bible says the Lord inhabits the praises of his people. The Lord shows up when his people praise him. If we can give God 
a throne of praise. I said, if we can give God a throne of praise, there is no limit what God will do. Come on, let's praise Him. Da 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 da, Shako. Get Praise Him. Praise Him. 